Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Support for the show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway sitting across from a very dapper character. You know how I can tell you've been on television? Hi. You wear makeup. I have makeup. I have a lot of makeup on. I tried to take some off. It's disgusting. Yeah. I don't like it. Do you like it? Do you like it? Do I? I think makeup ages women. I do too. I I think think the really attractive women, their sheer, like what I'll call beauty comes out when they don't wear makeup. Yes, I agree. They force me into it and then they slick back my hair. They just, I don't know what to do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, I would just grow it out like Cher and like just show Cher. up and just say. <laughs> do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show up so, with my baby. That's my new plan. That's your new thing? On the air, and I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to walk on the set with my baby and see if they stop me. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about motherhood. Like, hey, I'm a working mom. What do you want? Yeah, bring the baby. Bring the baby. Yeah, and everyone will totally freak out. That they would absolutely freak think? out. There'll be a national discussion about working you'll, parents. You'll spawn it. I'll yeah. spawn it. I'll bring Alexis Ohanian with his baby. I would bring think? Evan Spiegel and have him breastfeed the baby on oh. live TV. That's how I think you create a national discussion. <laughs> if we're really going to turn up the volume here. Honestly, Evan! Just, oh, Evan oh. Spiegel. I just saw him last week. He's as lovely as ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You like Evan. He's I your, do. I do. I, I think he's, he's creative. I like a creative person. And he, he started off as a big pain. Our first, day, our first lunch, he was such an asshole to me. Really? He had complained about some dumb, stupid quote in those two. I was like, you are so thin-skinned. You better get used get to used it. You to better it, yeah. get your saddle on and start to get some, He's you know. he, he should definitely take his money and just start a boy band. You think? Yeah. A Korean no, he's boy got, band? Or? He's got the, he's got the, no, he's got those movie star good looks. He, he had that beautiful sweat t-shirt on that looked like it cost $4,000. Yeah? Yeah, looked good on him, though. So speaking of guys with good hair that should start a boy band, yeah. you're Created quite a stir this morning. You interviewed Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. Yeah. At NRF. I didn't interview him. I was on stage with the head of NRF interviewing us about tech and the economy and this and that. I did it with Janet Yellen last year, but Janet knew a lot more about the economy. But he did okay. He he was warned about me before it started. So just Janet Yellen of Berkeley? Yeah. Janet Yellen? Yeah, Janet, Janet Yellen, Fed chair. Yeah. Janet Yellen's she a had, I did not. She's one I of the most impressive women of the her. last She really years. was. He was, he was prepared, though. Someone apparently warned him that I was— trouble 
He's a smart guy. His, he is. Values, he's very smart. His and he's are all got some up, really smart. It was interesting because he, you know, he was doing someone said he was arguing Atlas Shrug while I was doing a sophisticated analysis of the tech and economic landscape around tech. I, I think he was doing his typical we don't need any regulation, it needs self regulation I think that's where yeah, he went. The market will figure it out. Yeah. yeah. The market will figure it out. And that the reason it hasn't been regulated is because Congress doesn't know anything. And I'm like, right. they don't know anything about lots of other industries. This needs some regulation. They can't self-regulate. And then he was saying that Wall Street was self-regulated. I'm like, there's like a zillion laws and and there's yeah, the SEC socks, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. So it was interesting. He was interesting. I'm going to try to get him on the podcast because I think it's I, – I, I got in one dig about – he was talking about uh, being – you know, you've got to have uh, – being down the middle. And I was like, that worked out so well for you within the Trump administration trying to be compromising. Or thinking that you can change people on these sides right now. Yeah, him coming on your podcast is what you call a no-win situation. No, like he's whoever sharp. lets him do that. No, I know he's sharp, but his constituency that that does nothing for him. By the way, what does Paul Ryan do now? Does well, he he's a make... professor at Notre Dame. He gave me a card, and he's it says former Speaker of the House. That's on a him. pretend job. Where's he making his money? Is he a lobbyist? Think, is he on boards? I don't know. I don't know. But I think he's teaching. He sure is teaching, and he lives yeah. in was Janesville, Wisconsin. It says, and it says. Uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives. So we got our revenge on him. He's in Janesville. <laughs> yeah. Damn uh, you to Janesville. Yeah, he's, uh, I you know, I, I think he's doing a lot. I'm sure he's doing a lot of consulting. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, sure he's guy. joined some board. I mean, it seems like that the way people go, it didn't seem like he was going to run for office. Yeah, I think um, he was genuine. He wanted out. He's the wrong guy for the era, right? This is an era of so many extremes, and he's sort of a reasonable, down yeah. the middle kind I think of guy. He's, I think he's very likable. I don't, yeah. anyways. He's very tall. Oh, he's tall. He's very tall. Well, I'm very short, that. but he's very tall. Yeah. Yeah, he's way over six feet tall. Sometimes. Did you get a uh, picture of him with you? I, yes, I, I did. We definitely have to get a Land of the Giants montage going with you with huge people. <laughs> They're all huge. He's not Mark Benioff tall. <laughs> he's not that he's big. he's tall. He's tall. You know, Obama Like David was Gregory tall? tall? Oh, no. David Gregory is way tall. He's really tall. He's right? really he's tall. He's like Manute Ball. But, like, you know, Obama's real, was, a, was really tall. Obama's like, surprised. tall? Very Huh. They're all tall. All the big politicians are tall. Well, if you have tall and you have a deep voice, you can get you your know, own Trump podcast. Is tall. Be the dog. Trump is tall. Trump is tall. He's Trump a big man. Trump is tall. He's not just big. He's big, but he's also tall. So not that this isn't fascinating. All right, the fascinating. Let's go down to the stories. Okay. So tomorrow I've got to interview Pinterest CEO Ben Silberman yes. about all kinds of things. Super so nice guy. We'll see. We'll talk about that. On and Thursday. doing well. And actually yes. a decent stock buy right now. Yeah. And hammered. Yeah. yeah, so I'll ask them all about that if yeah. you have any questions. Let me know. So uh, let's talk about the big stories. The, you know, we we're going to start with the alphabet uh, legal head, David Drummond, leaving. But I think we have to talk about Tesla, the valuation going through the roof, yeah. way up. All these people Crazy. that were bears are turning into yeah. hugging Elon Musk. Yeah. The stock, there's some of the, the things are in the 600s. You, you know, mean they're Elon, predicting the, the predicting, yeah. 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 And oh, But people who had been quite negative on yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, investors who had been negative on them are back now positive. Uh, it's really just tearing up the stock market. What, yeah. what do you think of this? Because you had been on the opposite. It's, we, it, not to was, remind you. Tesla, yeah. Tesla is one of those things that's just the, the, the rabbit support it has. So now Tesla, the valuation of Tesla is now greater than General Motors and Ford combined. So yeah. basically Tesla is now worth uh, as much or almost as much, I guess Fiat Chrysler still out there, as the entire U.S. auto industry. Uh, I think it's crazy overvalued. I mean, I hated this thing, as you know, at three hundred bucks. So at no. four hundred bucks, I I can't see six hundred bucks was the valuation, six twelve or something like that. Well, isn't it a little over four hundred bucks now? Yeah, I no, know. but that was the that was the, the, the estimate. Yeah, the projection. Yeah, I don't. I it was sort I of would, like Amazon at four hundred, if you remember, twenty years ago. 
yeah, look, good for the world, good for the planet. He's a genius. I wouldn't get near this stuff. What would you have to do to grow into that valuation? Continue to— uh, Make more cars, sell more cars. Right? Yeah, hit targets, so show the kind of margins they have, velocity, and also probably convince people that they're not a car company but some sort of tech company that creates some sort of um, payment system that's high margin that's more around tech. And then autonomous driving. If what they, about the talking Tesla that he announced? He's always got yeah, something up his talk sleeve. To you. Yeah, no, they're no, incredible. No, no, he had a talking Tesla. Yeah, and it's going to, what is it going to say to you, though? Hello. I don't know. You know, like the talking kit from. <laughs> Why the... so down, Scott? <laughs> What's wrong? Move or I'll run you Come over. Come on, seriously, man. Um, well, talk you, to pedestrians. They have been. I mean, the the cutest thing that Tesla, the I had kind of one of those nice moments of engagement. Uh, if you can play, and you should do this for your boys. Mm-hmm. You know, your Tesla can dance. Yeah, I know. I never heard. I've, they've done it like for that? me. I don't care. No, I don't care. Like to dance. Yeah. So look, I'm I'm almost a bit. I'm like the dog that's been hit by the car a million times by yeah. Tesla fanboys because so I keep getting it they wrong. They really were like Scott's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, I would not. But now they act like I've come back to Christianity because I said I was clearly wrong. Then that was big of you. We welcome you back into the crazy fucking weirdo, whatever yeah. we are. Oh, the cult. shorts are just as big jerks as ever. Because I yeah. said, look, this guy's great with the drama. He's great with the announcements. He's, yeah, yeah. It's a very exciting story. And they were like, you're doing an ad for Tesla. I'm like, I also said there's math involved here that doesn't seem to pencil out. And I was like, the economics don't work unless he sold more cars and does it more efficiently. So, you know, no matter what you say on either side of this divide, they're both crazy, both sides. Yeah, it's hard. I I just find it. I just find it. We don't like either Love the company. Love the company. Love the product. Hate the stock. Would not get anywhere near it. And by the way, just for the record, I don't short stocks. I don't don't think it's bad karma. I don't know how to do it. Well, speaking of stocks you don't like, Casper, S1, you have some things to say about this. Casper. I haven't said anything public about it. I'm looking at it. So I know. But you have some things to say. Yeah, I know the guys at Casper. They came in and met with me a couple years ago. And I like the management team. They're a group of bright young men. I think it's almost all dudes. Uh, good at branding. It's a nice brand. There's a lot to like here. The quote unquote sleep economy. People are spending more time thinking about that third of their life. The the reveal, the packaging when you undo mm-hmm. the it's really it's kind of a it's neat well moment. Yep. And one of the keys, I think the thing that builds the biggest market capitalization company isn't even actually the company itself, but the industry it's disrupting. So yes. media was a flat business. It wasn't even a growth business. But it had incredibly opaque, near near corrupt players An that were consolidated. Experience. Yeah, and you didn't know which what you were getting, and they were purposely keeping all their data behind a wall. And in comes these fists of stone, Facebook and Google. So the when you think about the sleep industry, or where you buy mattresses, I mean, think about retail and mattresses pre this mm-hmm. explosion in in sleep. It's kind of like the basis of a Quentin Tarantino movie. You expect some people on the run to jump into a to a mattress store and start taking hostages and mm-hmm. killing people. Mm-hmm. It's just a very strange mm-hmm. retail environment. So highly disruptible, sleep economy is big, a nice brand, I think good management. This company should absolutely not be a public company. All right, three, so talk, tell me about the, the S1. It's not an Adam Newman level disaster. But. Oh, no, this is, there's no, this is, this is crazy, but it's not insane. This mm-hmm. is like, uh, I don't know, Kansas crazy, not Florida insane, right? This is just... <laughs> So look, three hundred ten million. They grew. Kansas is crazy. I don't. I just that just popped right, into my okay. mind. Right. It just popped into my. Oh, go Pennsylvania Jayhawks. crazy. Okay, whatever. West Virginia crazy. So, okay, three hundred ten million in revenues. They grew twenty percent last year. And Derek Thompson, a writer for the Atlantic and a, a cool cat and a great podcast called Crazy Genius, kind of summarized in his tweet. He said it's a company that 
takes $400 in kind of foam and, and cotton and sells it for 1000 Good business, 60 points of margin. But mm-hmm. 20% of return, so they hold on to 400 bucks. And then they spend 560 bucks on SG&A marketing, so they lose 160 bucks per mattress, wash, rinse, repeat. And that's fine if you're a company that's growing or scaling like crazy or a tech company that has some sort of flywheel effects. Mm-hmm. But there's none of that here. It's a specialty retail direct-to-consumer. They're now multi-channel, which is nice, 60 stores. Mm-hmm. But when Williams-Sonoma went public... It was profitable. When Restoration Hardware went public, as especially retail, they were profitable. So right. this and is still really trouble. This is a sign of the era, and that is a company like this, the fact that they can even think they can get public is sort of strange. The other thing that kind of tells Goldman, I think, is the lead banker. I had uh, breakfast with a senior exec from Goldman, and Goldman's core attribute is its reputation as an accelerant and continues to attract the best and brightest. And as you would imagine, this guy was just super smart and super impressive. And he was asking me about their brand positioning. I'm like, Goldman's brand positioning is very simple. It's we're fucking Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. Goldman doesn't take Casper public. This company probably doesn't get public because it's not scaling. It's a cute company. They missed their window. By the way, I told these guys, I asked for advice two years ago, and I said, I have three pieces of advice. Sell, sell, and sell. Two. Uh, Likely acquirer would be, I think Target was looking at making an investment. But just as Walmart made some kind of irrational— Like Dollar Club guy who sold, Dollar Shave Club guy sold. Well, he sold the Unilever, but— but but he sold— Get out. Sell to an old company trying to find Botox to look younger and Mm -hmm. needs an aqua hire. Mm -hmm. Whether it was Walmart with Mod Cloth, Bonobos, Jet, their opportunity was to sell to a midlife crisis big company that needs that talent, needs that direct-to-consumer— Maybe it goes big and bad and sleep. But it, I'm curious to see what internet analyst Goldman props up to basically engage in unbelievable creative writing. there's more of these. There's more. There's purple. There's a whole bunch of them. That's, see, that's the key. That's actually – that's the key negative attribute and the reason why this company either doesn't get public or gets public and Goldman does a great job of distributing this stuff and is down 30 to 50 percent in the first 12 months because very few bar- barriers of entry – Tufton Needle, mm. Purple, which did a reverse mm-hmm. uh, reverse merge and it has a $500 million market cap right now. So this is a company. It's a nice company. It should not be public. The gangster move here, Kara, but the VCs won't do it because they're still drunk on their valuations, would be to create a new age Williams-Sonoma and to roll up away Warby Parker and Casper oh, and consolidate some of the back end, do a better job of targeting, have more clout. Wait. Okay. All right. Interesting. I like this creativity out of your brain today. This is smart. Um, Well, I'm I'm ramping up the edibles. Okay. I thought so. Okay. I'm flowing. I love it. Okay. So you didn't. You were not impressed with this S1. You were not impressed with this. This is a cute retailer. Also, people don't buy that many mattresses. You buy one. It's a cute retailer. I bought one in a nice retailer with 20% negative. I'm not going to buy another one for a while. Yes, and not scaling. Do you? What do you? Yeah. What do you? I mean, do you? Have any I, I'm going to go with you on this. I think you're completely correct. I, don't, I think they should have done something earlier. Sold. It. They should have sold. I, I they missed the window. Them, I thought all of them should. Hundred percent. The, the interesting ones, though, will be the gangster. The gangster in the category is Warby Parker because again, you have. Well, they have something else going on. That's more. I, I I like that business. Yeah. That's, yeah. Because the industry there is highly disruptible, like Luxottica, right. the seven billion dollar right. business that does a shitty job. Those aviators you wear yeah. cost two hundred twenty bucks. Costs eighteen I bucks to produce. Buy all my other glasses the, at Warby Parker. And the distribution is awful. Yeah. Going to a sunglass hut. I mean, the distribution is terrible. And it's not that. That's actually a difficult business. Making mm-hmm. they do a fantastic job of merchandising. And if you give me, if you say, okay, who are Casper's true competitors? I can rattle off a bunch. But who are Warby Parker's true? Just competitors? the other opticians. They, I don't go. Who to do a anymore. shitty job. And by the way, I buy three pairs of glasses a year. Unbelievable! Right? Every year, every hugely year, hugely disruptive. Ninety. They're not great glasses. They're but they're beautiful glasses, and I don't care. I actually like them as disposable in a weird way. Fastest zero to a billion in specialty retail ever. 
was Old Navy with this gangster algorithm of 80% of gap for 50% of the price. And Warby Parker came in with the Old Navy gangster algorithm and said, we're going to be 80% of those $700, $1,100 prescription lenses from Tom Ford you bought. We're going to do 80% of that for literally 15% of the price. And it gives you and me the confidence. When I go buy glasses at Warby Parker, I buy three and four because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't have to love it. I just have to like it because it's ninety nine bucks. Nice looking glasses, though. So they raise money yeah. at two billion. Great design, great Good. supply they're chain. On top of vertical. design, they're not edge design, but they're not. And like not eighty other competitors coming for launch. And they're not two hundred dollars. Yeah. Away is a unique product category. Again, a shitty industry, the luggage industry that is yeah. not innovative. They've innovated. So in speaking in order, of which, that CEO's back. She's back, but in order of what I'll call valuation or in order of investment thesis, you would go Warby number one, Away number two. And Casper is kind of a distant third. Casper, what will be interesting is if Casper does what we does and kind of shits in the pond for direct-to-consumer IPOs. Yeah. Because if this doesn't get out, which I think it might not, what I think is really going on here, and I apologize, I'm droning on about Casper. I think these guys have said, we're in, we're in a corner, we're up against it. Purple got out with this reverse merger. We need to get out before Away or Warby. But I think they don't even plan to go public. I think they're basically saying... A target or someone come We're take us sale. out. We're for sale. We're sale. That's probably true. All right, speaking just very briefly, SoftBank-backed hotel startup Oyo fired thousands of people in China and India this week. Reportedly, Oyo has let go of 5% of their 12,000 employees in China and 12% of its 10,000-person staff in India. Yeah. Scott, you've talked about Oyo. Give me a short rant here. And a again, it's rant? another SoftBank disaster. Along yeah, with the so pizza delivery, which we're talking, we all knew that was coming. We're talking about Florida, and when we hear like some serial murderer is caught because he shows up to an Olive Garden with his victim's blood on his dogs, you just know that guy's from Florida. When you hear about a company like Oya, which makes no sense, has a 26-year-old, bad consumer reviews, 80% of the people working there have been there at work for less than 12 months. They're fraudulently inflating the number of rooms on their platform. I mean, it's just a $3.5 billion raise at a $10 billion market cap, loaning the CEO money against his share so he can invest more. And the smartest guys in the room, Lighthouse and Sequoia Capital, are not only after seeing this company from the inside out, they're not only not investing in their pro router rights, they're actually selling shares. They're getting the hell out of Dodge. So we know this must be a SoftBank company, and what a shocker it is. This is a train wreck. And unfortunately... It might have more externalities, whereas we was more spectacle than historic. This could be historic because yeah. India, which now has 24 unicorns, they added nine last year. The ecosystem is more fragile here. The fear is that this might cast a pall over the entire Indian unicorn ecosystem. This is not only a fucking disaster from an investment standpoint. It sounds borderline fraudulent. And whenever you have fraud involving bribery and there's reports that they were bribing officials and letting them stay in their places so they wouldn't write up health violations or all sorts of, mm-hmm. they have tax authorities now looking into it. The definition of corruption is fraud that involves bribery. And so the smell or the stench of corruption is starting to seep into oil. Especially in this is This is a train wreck. And then on a, I'm going to get They're here in, in New York. I saw one I was walking down the street on 47th Street, I think it was. But th- that's the key point. And that mm-hmm. is the world of global branding, and I think a lot about this. Brands are hard to build. Global brands are very difficult to build. Nestle, mm-hmm. one of the greatest brand builders in the world, less than 10% of their brands are more than one country and less than 1% of their brands are more than 10 countries. It is very hard to build a brand that permeates cultural boundaries. So you're immediately asking, well, Scott, tell us what brands do make good for global brands. It's effectively the categories where the cohorts look and smell and feel the same around the world make for great global brands. So CTOs wear bad logoed sweatshirts, are out of shape, and they buy Huawei and Microsoft, right? Rich people are some of the most boring people in the world. They send their kids to Ivy League schools, they engage in massive tax avoidance, they party in St. Bart's, and they wear Hermes. So luxury brands 
tech companies make for good global brands. Services companies, the CFOs and, and chief strategy officers CEOs all want to hire McKinsey and Goldman. They make for good global brands. But budget hotels, if you look at the hotel industry, who are the only brands that have scaled globally? Mary. The luxury guys. Well, Four Seasons, okay. Mandarin Oriental. As right. soon as you get into budget, as soon as you get to Motel 6 or value, the people who buy budget hotels do not look and smell and feel the same around the world. From Australia, it's hostelers roaming around the world. Mm. It's just it's a different cohort. And the notion that they can build a global brand in budget hotels, yeah. I think is naive and ignores basic bits of Thinking a lot about mattresses and cheap hotel rooms. I'm not going to go into There that. you go. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop That's you. That's called a weekend for me. I'm going to stop you, yes. That's called a weekend. But, you know, it's another black eye for SoftBank, including the pizza service, which also has some issues. Well, who would have who thought that, that robotic one I got. pizza that company? That was like, Who uh, would have thought that wouldn't work out? I think they called me. I'm like, no, who, I just can't even. Who would I can't, have thought that would I can't work even. Out. Someday, someday, someday there will be robotic food delivery. Well, I have that business in my house. It's called my toaster oven. All right. I made okay, pizza stop. actually literally last night at twelve thirty. And by the way, break. I watched uh, four episodes of the morning show. I have done a one eighty on the morning show. It's, it's, a, it's good. It's a very good show. It's good. It's a very good show. Yeah. All right. Are you done talking? Yeah, I'm. Right. I'm yeah, okay. I'm yeah, I like your. You're being I'm brilliant. Chatty. I know you are, but you're you're being brilliant. So I'm letting go you go on. I'm letting you go on because you're actually being brilliant. You're smarter than Paul Ryan, but that's okay. All right, Scott, it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back with a friend of Pivot, some wins and fails, and a surprise pop quiz for Scott. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we're back. Scott, I really want to talk about Trump saying that his reason for taking out uh, Soleimani was because he had planned attacks on four U.S. embassies, which uh, which his, his people who work for him can't make any claims to see such intelligence. 
Meanwhile, the Democrats are racing to limit uh, Trump's war powers. The House approved resolution to restrict Trump's authority to strike in Iran. The Senate will be voting on that resolution this week. There's a lot of unhappy people in the Senate, including lots of Republicans. So we reached out to a friend of Pivot, uh, New York Magazine reporter Olivia Nuzzi. She of the Rudy Giuliani texting fame. Uh, she writes amazing work, actually. It's amazing where She did a great Joe Biden piece uh, recently, too, for insights on how it might actually affect the Trump presidency. Let's go to tape. Any attempt to put a check on Donald Trump's powers abroad is going to be stifled somewhat by the fact that he just tweets whatever it is that he's planning on doing or whatever it is that he's done. And that then ultimately becomes the United States policy. That is how he's making policy. It's how he's making policy domestically. It's how he's made foreign policy in the past. It's how the uh, military establishment and the national security establishment as his own White House staff has learned about decisions that he's made. I'm very skeptical that any action that Congress takes to kind of rein him in will really be effective when he has access to this megaphone that enables him to declare policy with the push of a button. Okay, well, this is something I've written about before. This is obviously clear. Who has more power to rein Trump in, Twitter or Congress? In January of 2018, for those who do not remember, Twitter declared that, quote, blocking a world leader from Twitter or removing their controversial tweets would hide important information. Who has more power? Voters. I I, I, I mean, you and I have talked about this. What? Twitter. You can't. You can't take. I don't think you can. I don't think you can take the president off Twitter. But not when, take him off. But what, 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 this has. He has more power using it. I wouldn't take yeah. him off. You, you know that. I don't yeah. think that. I think paid advertising is a very different. I, I like what they did around paid advertising, but because of the abuses. But um, I think you don't take him off. I, I don't know what you do. I, I, you don't. I don't know what 100%. you do. But you I do think <laughs> he has an incredible tool in Twitter. He's using it as a governing vehicle. Campaign oh, he will vehicle. go down as the guy that earned the most or gained the most. No individual has gained more uh, that isn't a shareholder uh, from social media than the president. The mm-hmm. president is the the 140-character president, but it's just so strange. Can you imagine she communicating and dictating and governing by TikTok? I mean, it just it's just so strange when you think but about it. But it's somewhat effective. It actually is. It, it makes things happen, which is amazing. And Congress doesn't seem to, yeah. you know, they're sort of in this, we're going to restrict the world powers, we're going to stop him. And it just doesn't. Like, yeah. even when he wasn't correct about these four embassies, even his own people will get it. It doesn't matter. Like, he can say it, and he's gonna, he, he repeats it on social media or whether he's on Fox News or wherever he is. That's another basic error, though, of communication strategy, and that is it's never the action that gets in trouble. It's a cover-up. If... If the administration had just come out and they said, well, why why did you kill him? I'm like, well, he's been the, the he's strategist bad. and the supporter behind a bunch of proxy battles that kill, killed Americans. When you do that, eventually, when we get an opportunity, we take your ass out. Mm-hmm. I think – and then and then that's it. Like, and then oh. stop talking. Yeah. Stop talking. And instead, they're like, well, we had evidence of imminent attacks. Right. That's where they blew it. It's like, well, no. But did they blow it? Does it matter that he lies and then they say – don't say anything? Oh, 100 percent. If they just said, bad guy, we had our shot, we took it, end of story, next. Mm-hmm. That, and instead, they came out and felt like they had to justify it by lying and saying they're imminent attacks. There were no imminent attacks. And now we're all – and now we're all dissecting what it means, the term imminent. They should have just said, America's memory is long and our reach is far. Mm-hmm. So guess what? You kill American soldiers anywhere, sleep well, boss. We're coming for you at some point. I, and, that, that, and then it should have been, as you said, seen. They should have said nothing else. They yeah. didn't need to justify yeah. it. Instead, they came out and started lying. Yeah. I do think the interesting thing is that they ha- are having a hard time knowing what to do with him. It's sort of like a toddler that goes and does everything. You can't. You're trying to use yeah, all these reasonable do? ways to deal with him in old ways. 
you know, it reminded me of Paul Ryan. I was like, I was talking to someone on the way down, Eric Anderson, in the thing, and I was like, the reason he succeeded is because he was doing it the way it was done. He thought he yeah. could handle it. This is the way we did it. And Trump just ran circles around him in that regard. No, it's like a 15-year-old is taking control of the house. I can, He's, you know, I you could know. handle it. And then, you know, that was, I think it was one of his quotes, allegedly he said, and he couldn't. And, and the same thing with Twitter. They can't, they don't know what to do in the just, it's very good for them, though. You can literally, if you look at Twitter stock price, it's a yeah. smile and it troughed when Trump was elected and it's gone straight or it's yeah. recovered substantially. It's had it a has. dip, but it's recovered substantially yeah. since, All right. since Trump. Wins and fails. I'm going to go with uh, this uh, leaving of David Drummond from Google. Uh, yeah, let's talk, talk about, about that. You've yeah. been reporting on that. What kind of give us a little bit of I've backdrop? I've known David on a long time. I, I was there at the early days. Well, you know, he's been there a long time. Let's have one. But he was also leaving uh, the company with no exit package following uh, sexual misconduct allegations. He had been going. It's a long and complicated story of right. many sides, and he has his point of view. And the person who he went out with, he was with someone who, he, yeah. who worked for him, and then he had a kid with her. Uh, it was super complicated, you know, and she was alleging that he had gone out with more employees. There's now an investigation. He's he's at the center of it, an internal investigation that's reaching all over Google, by the way, right. uh, around him. And then the $90 billion exit package given to Android co-founder Andy Rubin, who was found to have credible allegations of sexual misconduct for the company. It led to the Google walkouts in 2018. And Larry Page was running the show during all this time, right? Yeah. Or Eric Schmidt. And, yeah. and you know, Sergey had his own thing around yeah. someone he went out with at work who was going out with another person who yeah. ran Android. Or You know, it just, yeah. it was, it's sort of like the, the chief legal officer was in charge of who probably should have been dictating policy around Caesar's stuff. wife kind of thing. Yeah. You know, these startups are complicated because a lot of people do go out with each other. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of a, you know, Larry used to go out with Marissa Mayer a long right. time ago. Right. So you see, it's very common in startups, but I think what it is is that as they got more powerful, they had didn't put stuff into place that was very clear. Yeah. And, there, and then there was another person who went over to Uber. It just went on and on and on. And there's now these investigations going yeah. on around all of that in the management. You know, I think what's happening is Sundar Pichai, who has been the one to move in and clean some of this up. You can yep. see his sort of invisible hand everywhere. I know his way. I think he's cleaning it up quietly. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be cleaned up quietly. I think this yeah. report is probably going to get out in some fashion or maybe there's some litigation. And 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 what he's trying to do is clean it up quietly because he's a good guy and he's yeah. actually, you know, and move it away and move Google into the next era. But there definitely was very loose management around this particular – they've done a great job in lots of things, interesting culture, interesting way to do business, in amazing business itself. But in this particular aspect about their personal lives, which were very messy within yeah. the company, in some ways that were okay, other ways that weren't okay, but it was certainly was messy and some of it true sexual harassment. It's just a question of whether Sundar can clean this up quietly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's like the cleaner. I don't know. I'm going to talk to him about a little bit about this when he comes uh, to code soon. It's definitely, there's got to be a new era of Google. And I think they had to first move the founders out. Yep. And it's linked a little bit to this investigation, even though they touted it as if it's time to move on, like why now? They've got the um, him moving on, David, who's been there forever. So now all the Eric's gone. They they moved him yep. out. Yep. So the question is, you know, there's no, now it's the new era, essentially. Yeah, and I hope that. Or a better era. Or so unfortunately, because a lot of this is titillating and makes mm -hmm. for great clickbait, the conversation here is more around outrage and and uh, a lot of hyperbole and uh, what I think is neat, and I, I'm hopeful, and I don't know if this will win or not, I think we're moving into the era of what I'll call the calibration or nuance around this. And that is an important conversation, but hopefully it catalyzes 
some calibration. So some examples. I, I'm when I've been in on media and they use the term sexual misconduct, they use it as an umbrella to encapsulate CEOs who've had consensual relationships with vendors and people who have attacked women in their office. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Some of these people should be in prison. Some should be fired. And I think some of the other calibration that's required here, and I think this is where I would move to or where we're moving to is uh, as someone who serves as a fiduciary for shareholders and boards of directors, and that is when you have a large group of people in a confined space and they're sharing intense experiences, and specifically if they're young, they're supposed to establish relationships, have sex, and have children. They're supposed to do that. They're not supposed to abuse their power. You take a risk. If you ever do anything with someone junior to you, you are opening yourself to liability. But what I've had several marriages catalyzed and fomented and start and kids and economic security and people who love each other at work. And the notion that at the beginning, they all had their lawyers get together and decide to go have coffee is just a little unrealistic. Young people when they share intense experiences in close proximity, are going to have sex. And I think that there's a difference. And the difference is that once you get to a certain executive level, there's, an, uh, there's some outstanding benefits about being an executive at a place like Google. A, you make tens of millions of dollars. B, people laugh at your stupid fucking jokes all the time. C, you get <laughs> restaurant reservations at mediocre restaurants in San Jose. E, you get to come on and speak to interesting people like Kara Swisher. Mm -hmm. You know what else you get to do? You get to have your fly up and fucking locked, boss. There's just no... When you reach a certain level in a company, full stop, you take your sex and your personal relationships off campus. So I, I think we need to calibrate. I think there's a difference between young people who are trying to find mates, who don't, can't bring a company down, who aren't in a position to leverage crazy power to abuse other people. Once you get to a certain level, and you, I think they're going to need to define it. Once you hit VP, we don't want to hear from you. You take this shit off. Can't you find somewhere else? One of the things that's else. interesting here is I think the, 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 the tonality of not dealing with serious allegations of sexual harassment and the way it was done at the company. And I think, right. you know, there, it, you're right. The companies are messy and lots of things are messy. But well, mating is messy. But, yes, but, but there is – I think it was led to an idea within the company – of not seriousness when this was going on with the with this chief legal officer, you know, one of the founders, uh, top executives, and and so there there is a difference in the behaviors. Yeah. But it just mushes all into a thing when these exact when it seems like there's a lack of tolerance, and it did bleed down into other parts, which is why you led to the Google walkout because right. it did. There wasn't a rigorous idea behind it or discussion of it because they couldn't talk about it. You know, because some again, some things were fine, some things that were not fine, and it just was it was it was they they didn't create clarity, and I think that was it. And then when serious allegations came, they were either covered up or pushed away, or people didn't think you could say something, or you know, the same thing had happened at Uber. The this book by Susan Fowler is coming yeah. out. You know, this this guy who was the high performer, yeah. like tolerated more that kind of stuff. Some like words, the way that people talk to each other. Anyway, it just creates a, it, it creates a messy situation at the, at the very, and there were not just one, it was more than, it was lots of executives. And so that's yeah. what I think. And then you had an executive of ultimately running it, uh, Larry, who didn't do anything about it, like who didn't seem to do anything about it. Now this new CEO is clearly quietly doing something about it. I know a lot about what he's doing. And I think that's the thing. And the question is, can you do it quietly? Okay. But isn't, isn't the point of all this, this has created a lot of controversy. There's a lot of people who put up with a lot of bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, there, it, it, ideally, don't we come out of the other end of this with some, as you point out, clarity? 
that if I'm yeah. running Google America, if I get a promotion, I'm running Google Canada. It was, it's just never been stated at Google. It's black and white. Yeah. I'm not here to get I laid. That, even if you younger know people, you know companies. It's just. But even if people are impressed with me and, and pretend that I'm interesting, I don't. I don't pursue that on this level. That's no. just part of being a senior executive. I, this at a company this now. CEO, I think, is trying to. Change, but the thing is, can he do it quietly? That's the, that's what's in, that, he's like that. That's his nature, not to like, shake bo- boats. And he doesn't have full power because guess who has the power? Well, the, the yeah, founders still have around the this power. stuff. They'll have the power though. Uh, yes, I assume because he could walk, stuff. right? Uh, yeah. Okay, my win. Yeah, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Stepping say back. more. Say more. Uh, uh, come on, like you I, love I that, just huh? love it. I love, love it. That? I love the whole thing. I love them stepping away. I like their entrepreneurship. I love them copywriting and trademarking the shit out of themselves. I like yeah. the whole nine years. I, and 100%. I just like. I think they could have been nicer. The Queen. That's. I, I don't know why I have a soft spot for. Well, I'm doesn't. watching The Crown too much. Um, but I just love this whole, like, it just shows you that this is just a business. This is just a business like any other. So. But doesn't it make sense? Because effectively, when, royalty used to be the uber rich. But if you can be uber rich, you can live like royalty. You can join the Soho House, yeah. go to go to St. Bart's and roll in L.A. in a Porsche. Why I don't do go you to need... St. Bart's. Do you go to St. Bart's? I yes, sure you do. do. You know I do? I sure don't. You know I do? Because mm. I can. Mm-mm. Because I can. Mm. It's wonderful. You though. were just there, weren't you? Yeah, I love yeah that. that's what I've heard, yeah, but I'm not I going. Oh, no. Nonetheless, you enjoy Wait, back yourself. To, but I'm proposing a swap. shallow lifestyle. I'm willing to be Prince. I'm going to. I'm willing to change my name to Shamu so they can call me Shamu, Prince of Wales. Okay, that's good royalty <laughs> humor. That and then and then that's I bad. still think when Charles and Diana had Harry, they should have named right. him Up so they could call their family Up Chuck and Die. Oh, geez. More good royalty humor. Oh, more good God. royalty humor. Just By the way, crazy. both of those Joan, Joan Rivers jokes, God rest oh. her soul. Oh. Okay, uh, before we go, we got a listener response from Thomas Hegelund, who is horrified by our, our lack, not our lack, Scott's lack of understanding about Norwegian cuisine on last week's show. So pop quiz, Scott, what is Smalahov, also called Smalahovid, I can't pronounce this right. Uh, Is it one, A, an almond-based flourless fermented cranberry cake baked in a wood-burning stove, an alcoholic beverage made from distilled honey and salt water, a dish made from a sheep's head originally eaten before Christmas? I have no idea. Come on, pick one. C. Oh, you're right. The dish made from sheep's head originally eaten before Christmas. By the way, the grosser the dish, the better the tasting. Have you ever had sweet breads? How did you know that? How did you pick that? I would think it was a flourless and fermented cranberry cake. It seems so Norwegian. Chicken up a duck. It could have been an alcoholic beverage from a distilled honey and. All right. Okay. How is rockfisk prepared? Rockfisk. Okay. Rockfisk. Okay, do I have... Trout, sometimes charred, salted and fermented for two to three months or even up to a year, then eaten without cooking. Oh, God. Rib of lamb that are first salted, then dried, and sometimes smoked, steamed over birch branches. Yeah. Dried whitefish, normally cod, but ling and burbo are also used, treated with lye. Oh, uh, wow. I don't think Becca, it's lye. Becca, you're brilliant. I think it's A. Oh, my God. Are yeah. you, like, reading over my thing? No, I travel a lot. All the right, dog, okay. The dog goes well, to Northern Why were you European. so ignorant about Norwegian's food? Trout or sometimes way, char, salted and Do you spend much time in Northern Europe? Have you spent much time there? Sometimes. I don't travel. Yeah, they get it. They just are, like, happy and like each other. So we have Rogfisk and Smalahov, which I'm sure I badly pronounced. I'm so sorry for our Norwegian friends. Thank you for the education, uh, uh, Thomas. 100%.
All right. Yeah. AP Norwegian we'll do, food. We'll do German food next. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll do German yeah, food. Yeah, the answer to everything is pork. Remember, if you have questions about a story you're hearing in the news for us to answer, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Today's show is produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Rebecca Castro and Drew Burrows. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. 